Welcome to the Wayside Podcast. The audio for this episode comes from one of the sermons given this past Sunday. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by what you hear. So last week, I promised you that I was going to do a shorter sermon because um, we started the service a little bit later. And I regret to inform you that I am incapable of writing shorter sermons. At least I was this week. And so I decided to do the next best thing. And so I wrote half of a sermon. Um, For some of us, listening to half a sermon is about right. It's about what normally happens when we're at church. It's really easy to get zoned out and to think about, oh, what did I leave off of my grocery list? Or what do I have to do this afternoon? So just imagine that you were zoned out for the first half of the sermon, and we're going to jump in in the middle. Okay, so let me tell you what we've skipped over. We're skipping a story. We're skipping a couple metaphors. One was serious. The other one was debatably funny. Um, We're going to skip a question about where we are uh, in the relation to the biblical story and our story. And then we're going to also skip that all-important illustration that comes back around at the end. Okay, so we're going to dive in right in the middle. Ready? All right. So one of the rich things about spending time in the epistles, the epistles are the letters of the New Testament that are written to the first generations of Christians um, who are living after Jesus has risen from the dead and ascended uh, into heaven. One of the rich things is that we can see how the authors pull in references to what Jesus had to say in the Gospels and pull in references to the Old Testament in their writings. James does this in a different way than Peter or Paul, but he does it too. See, James assumes that he's talking to people who are already part of the church, people who have repented of their sins and believe the gospel of grace, that despite our wicked hearts and despite our sinful actions, God out of his great love, sent his son to live a perfect life, to die in our place, to rise from the grave and to reign over all things in his mission to renew a world that had become corrupted by sin and was dead. So James is writing to Christians and he's gonna answer the question, what now? How are we supposed to live now? Given that Christ has been raised, given that we have been filled with the spirit, given that Christ has charged his people with a mission in the world, How are we supposed to live now? What are the signs of life? And so James wants to tell us what it means to grow into maturity. There are certain references in the Bible that you might know if I just tell you the number, right? Like if I said 316, what do you think I'm talking about? John 316, right? Or if I say 1-1, half of you are going to say Genesis. The other half of you are going to say John, and you're both right. That's good. Or if I say 23, what am I usually talking about? The 23rd Psalm, good good numbers for us to know to remind ourselves about what's in scripture. Well, I've got a new one for you today. It's one, two, three, four. It actually worked out this way. I was really pleased with this. One, two, three, four. Matthew 12, 34. It's a great verse. And um, all of what James says in chapter three is expounding on what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34. Here's Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? That's the first half. We're going to look at Matthew 12, 34b. <laughs> Here's what James is going on with. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation puts it this way, and it's a little bit more poetic, and I like it. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or if rhyming would make it more memorable for you, You can't hide what's inside. 
there's a temptation when we hear passages like James chapter 3. See, we see these headings in our Bibles that are put there by the editors that say, Taming the Tongue. And we immediately think about other people who need to do that. I do it, and I think you do it too. I bet that when Francis was reading the passage a few minutes ago, I bet half of us were thinking about somebody we know who has a big mouth. Right? Someone this passage was tailor-made for. People in our lives who just can't seem to keep their big yap shut. Are you thinking of somebody like that right now? Good. Now stop it, because I want you to apply this to yourself. It was written for you too. See, it's dangerously easy to blunt the difficult parts of the Bible by thinking about other people that they should apply to. Be not drunk with wine. Oh yeah, that's my neighbor who thinks that her personality is drinking wine. Hold fast to the wife of your youth. Oh, that's my boss who's about to trade in wife number three for a newer model. The tongue is a relentless evil, full of deadly poison. That's my friend who can't keep any of his feelings to himself. See, this is one of the problems, though, that the Pharisees had. This is why they were a brood of vipers. They were so busy applying laws to other people, they became blind to their own sins. See, taming the tongue for all of us is an aspect of maturity. And that's part of what James is going after here. He's telling us what it means to be wise. Have you heard that saying, there's no fool like an old fool? You heard that before? It's not, on surface value, it seems like it's making fun of the elderly, and it's really not. The the basis for that saying, there's no fool like an old fool, is that with age should come wisdom, right? Those who are older should be more experienced, should be more mature, should have more wisdom. Anyone who is old and is still a fool must be a real fool. I think it's fair to say that when most of us hear this phrase, taming the tongue, We think about somebody who has a quick temper, someone who has no patience, and someone who lacks self-control. We think of a caricature of Tourette syndrome, right? You just blurt out anything that comes into your mind with no control. Another way that we might say that nowadays is that someone who can't tame the tongue is someone who lacks an internal filter. Everything they think in their mind comes out. And that's true, but that's only part of what James is talking about. It's only part of the maturity that he's calling us to. It's not only self-control. And how do I know this? Well, the way that I know this is that because when James gives us this list of what the wisdom that comes from heaven is, he doesn't begin with self-control. He begins with pure. He says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The words that we use are to be first, pure. Another word for that is holy or set apart for God. See, words spoken in anger or words spoken too quickly aren't the only kind of words that we should avoid. See, look at what James says the wise words are. The wise words are pure and peace-loving and considerate, And so we can also think about what the opposite of those would be to know the speech that we're not supposed to engage in. So what's the opposite of pure? Well, it's impure. The opposite of peace-loving is contentious. Opposite of considerate is selfish. Instead of submissive, we can be self-aggrandizing. Instead of being full of mercy and good fruit, we can be full of wrath and bad fruit. 
can be impartial and sincere, or we can be partial and insincere. How would you describe the words that most of us are surrounded with every day? Would you say that we hear words that are considerate and peace-loving, or are they more selfish and contentious? Which kind of words from these two columns, which kind of words will get more media coverage in this year's political campaigns? Right? Submissive, impartial and sincere, or self-aggrandizing and partial and insincere? In his famous poem, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner, Samuel Taylor Coleridge writes of the tale of this old sailor. And this old sailor tells the story about a cursed voyage. In the voyage, they hit the doldrums. You know what the doldrums are? The doldrums are when you get to this part in the sea where there's no wind and you're just stuck there. There's no wind to blow you in any direction. And so people start to get hungry. They start to get thirsty, even though they're surrounded by water. It's kind of like if you were driving through West Texas in the middle of oil country and you ran out of gas, right? All these oil derricks you see around you, yet nothing can help you. That's what the sailor was experiencing. He tells of what it's like to being stuck there with no way out and with supplies running low. Day after day, day after day, we stuck, nor breath, nor motion, as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. Water, water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. You've probably heard that before, at least something like that. We hear so many words every day. We're surrounded by them. We hear them. We read them. We speak them. But so few of them are what James would call fresh water, life-giving. Instead, when we need those life-giving words, we receive words that lack life. Angry words, unkind words, or lies. James calls us to be fresh water. That fresh water has to be based upon truth. Otherwise, it's not fresh water at all. One of the most countercultural lessons that we have to learn is that speaking pleasant words is not the same thing as speaking life-giving words. Now, this does not mean that you need to start airing all of your grievances, right? I got a few bones to pick with you people. That's not what it means. Of course, you should be tactful. Of course, you, could, you, you need to speak out of love and not out of anger or irritation. But you must tell the truth. And if you feel like you need permission, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Remember, Jesus had no problem calling a spade a spade and a viper a viper. Was that hateful language? Were Jesus' words violence? Well, many in our day might think so. But think about what he was doing, right? Sometimes you have to use the full force of language in order to shake someone out of their complacency. Um, I'm going to make a Lord of the Rings reference. I'll try not to do it too often because... It's very tempting. But do you remember that scene in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf is hanging there and he looks at, he looks at his party and he says, fly, you fools, right? Was that just a parting insult, right? Like one last jab on his way out? No, he was trying to get them to do something. It was meant to shock them into life-saving action. When Jesus calls the Pharisees vipers, he's warning the common people that the Pharisees are dangerously close to that old snake, the devil, He's also warning the Pharisees themselves so that they will repent as well. If someone in your life has a drinking problem and you've seen the evidence in his or her life, you don't throw a boozy party, right? You have an intervention. You don't tell a naked emperor that his suit is stunning, 
Let me, let me conclude with this. James tells us to be fresh water. Where does fresh water come from? Where does fresh water come from? Well, it comes from the sky, right? It comes from above. It's the rain that comes down from heaven. Or the other place, it comes from deep reservoirs that have themselves been filled over time with the clean water from the rain. Goodness, truth, purity. Those things come from God. They rain down upon us through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Only then can we become reservoirs of fresh water. Only then can we become peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would be with us and help us to put this wisdom into action. We pray that our words would be pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, and impartial and sincere. We look to you for help. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Wayside Podcast is a ministry of St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. It was created by Ryan Presley and the Reverend Wesley Arning. Be sure to rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen to us. This helps more folks discover our podcast. If you'd like to know more about St. Martin's, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.